You are now listening to the people of digital marketing with your host, me, Kenny Soto. This podcast is your source for marketing strategies, tactics, and most importantly, career advice from the best digital marketers in the world. From B2B to B2C, startups to Fortune 500 companies, and everything in between, I interview experts in marketing so that we can grow to become better marketers together. If you're a marketer who wants a leg up in this space, well, guess what? You're in the right place. Thanks for tuning in. The first place that I start is to try and make a hypothesis of of some kind. So it's, you know, where are your market? Where is your target audience? Do you think they spend a lot of time on YouTube, on Spotify? Do they spend, you know, are they often searching on Google? Do they exist in publications? You know, trying to figure out where your audience actually spend a lot of their time, I think is the first thing. And then saying, okay, I think a lot of my my audience spend their time on Spotify. And then you kind of ask yourself, okay, well, I can do appear on Spotify in a few different ways. I could be on podcasts, I could feature, I could also create my own podcast, or I could sponsor content on podcasts, or I could do audio ads on Spotify on uh, the feature on podcasts. And there are four different ways of saying, okay, this is how I, this is where my audience are, and I want to be able to reach them. The question then is, how difficult is each one of those and how much impact could it have? Because it's all well and good saying, I'm going to start a podcast. But I mean, you know more than anyone, it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. Like people think it sounds super easy, but there's so much work goes into it. You've got to source people, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, there's tons that goes into it. Um, but yeah, I think starting with a hypothesis and then figuring out a way to test it um, and, and the step in between is assessing, you know, what's the potential impact here uh, and how difficult is it going to be to, to do it? So, yeah, I think that's that's where I go. You just heard our newest guest on the podcast, Alexander Billington. Alex is a former professional soccer player turned growth marketer, and now he works as a community growth manager at Funnel, a marketing data platform with over 1,500 customers, including the likes of Adidas, Samsung, and Havas. Prior to Funnel, Alex worked agency side at Brain Labs, building cross-channel digital growth strategies for brands such as Digicel and Mars. This episode's great for many reasons, one of them being Alex knows his stuff and he's been around the block. And this episode is doubly important for anyone who's currently looking to get into a growth-focused marketing role because near the end of the episode, he talks about the characteristics he likes to see in job candidates that he interviews. So if you're looking for a job as a growth marketer, definitely listen to this whole episode. And without further ado, let's listen to Alexander Billington. Hey, Alex, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Before we started recording, I just gave you a little background on the audience and the podcast. Again, this is a podcast that's not only about marketing strategies and tactics, but also about career advice from professionals such as yourself. So I think a great way for us to paint a picture of your career is just to start off by asking you, um, how would you describe your current job? Good question. I think uh, what it boils down to ultimately is that I'm a growth marketer uh, in that I juggle various different growth initiatives that try to affect, positively affect our marketing funnel. Uh, so I don't just operate within the kind of upper funnel or lower funnel. I try and operate th- throughout that. 
trying to assess what is going to have impact on on those different parts of the marketing funnel. So I don't have a job description per se, um, but yeah, looking for those opportunities and then, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what's a creative way to solve this? Because I think sometimes the most obvious way is not always the right way, especially because we have a quite lean team. So someone might say, oh, we need more of this. And the answer is, oh, of course, just do this. And it's like, that would be great if we had 10 more people, right? So a lot of it is is getting a little bit creative with what we do too and figuring out what are the other ways to solve this problem that maybe a bigger company, you know, aren't aren't going to go at because they just have the resource. Um, that and I spend quite a lot of time in front of the camera. Uh, so, I, so I do quite a lot of our kind of thought leadership video stuff. We have a series on LinkedIn that we do um, that we also push on YouTube. So yeah, we, a b- bunch of different stuff on camera, which is a lot of fun too. Did you always start off as a generalist? Because my assumption is if you say you're a growth marketer, you're doing many things. Did you always start off as a growth marketer or did you have like a specific function that you dived into first? So the first approach was when I was in New York and I, I, I was working on the brand side of things. Then I started looking into experiential marketing uh, because the, the startup I was working for was kind of in that space. And then I transitioned into digital. Uh, and then I started working for a paid agency um, in, in London. So that was when I moved back from New York. And that was, uh, I mean, that was like a real test and learn agency. It was really data-driven. They were one of those agencies that, people started going to the big companies started leaving these big network agencies and saying, I want to work with those guys because those guys, you know, it was all about testing and learning. It was all about being data informed by data and making those decisions. Uh, we talked about kind of hiring scientists and teaching the marketing and all that kind of stuff. So, so that was really cool. So yeah, I started off with like a paid background building, you know, building digital strategies for, for various companies. Why did you join Funnel.io? <laughs> so at the agency I was working at that was super data-driven, all about testing and learning and trying to harness the power of data into marketing, which now feels very second nature, but a few years ago, it wasn't as popular, right? Some people, marketers were still going around saying like, we should do this. And people would say, you know, why are you doing it? And the answer was like, well, I just think we should. And somebody else would say, hey, I've looked at some data and it actually feels like we should go ahead and test this. And so uh, they were really harnessing the power of data, not just through data people, but also through marketers. And the way they were able to do that was actually by using Funnel. So Funnel was a really big part of enabling account managers to harness the power of data and do better marketing for clients. So that's where I first came across Funnel. And then when I decided to to move on, uh, I spoke to Funnel I was deciding to move to Stockholm and and we kind of made it happen. So I made the transition. And for more context for the listeners specifically, can you give an uh, overview of what Funnel does? Yeah, absolutely. So Funnel is a marketing data platform that allows marketers to connect their data from all of their different marketing platforms and then transform it into like usable data, data that's ready to be analyzed. Uh, so you can clean it, group it, map it, all the things you would do in a G sheet without having to like know all of those crazy formulas that are super hard to maintain. Uh, and then you can uh, export that data to, to any of your destinations. Like a lot of people send it to Data Studio, but you can also do it to data warehouses. But yeah, Data Studio, Google Sheets. Um, so you can create those like really automated, really shiny dashboards that tell you everything you need to know to actually empower the marketer to be a data-driven marketer, right? 
can you describe some of your weekly and monthly challenges when trying to grow funnel? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first one is that uh, because we are growing so fast, sometimes it's hard to make sure that all of the parts add up to the whole. So there's, there's lots of different things going on at one time within the marketing organization. And there's lots of different initiatives running off in different directions. And it's trying to make sure that everything adds up to the whole so that all of our efforts are as efficient as possible. That's definitely one of them. Um, another one is, uh, to use a baseball analogy, like deciding which pitches to swing at, right? It's like, I have ideas all day, every day. My colleagues have fantastic ideas all day, every day. There's always ideas coming in, but it's trying to decide what's the right thing to do when and why. Um, so we, we use a bunch of different frameworks to try and assess, you know, like, you know, how, how should we go, how should we uh, approach it? Should we swing at this or is this one that we leave and then we swing at the next one, right? I'm assuming that there's always new strategies that you're incorporating into your marketing mix. In terms of channels, how would you recommend a new growth marketer to a new business approach evaluating several different channels? Is it the best way to go testing one channel at a time, testing multiple channels with different kinds of content formats? What would be your recommendation for approaching that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first place that I start is to try and make a hypothesis of, of some kind. So it's you know, where are your market? Or where is your target audience? Do you think they spend a lot of time on YouTube, on Spotify? Do they spend, you know, are they often searching on Google? Do they exist in publications? You know, trying to figure out where your audience actually spend a lot of their time, I think is the first thing. And then saying, okay, I think a lot of my my audience spend their time on Spotify. And then you kind of ask yourself, okay, well, I can do appear on Spotify in a few different ways. I could be on podcasts, I could feature, I could also create my own podcast, or I could sponsor content on podcasts, or I could do audio ads on Spotify on uh, the feature on podcasts. And there are four different ways of saying, okay, this is how I, this is where my audience are, and I want to be able to reach them. The question then is, how difficult is each one of those, and how much impact could it have? Because it's all well and good saying, I'm going to start a podcast. But I mean, you know more than anyone. It's not the easiest thing to do in the world. Like people think it sounds super easy, but there's so much work goes into it. You've got to source people, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, there's tons that goes into it. Um, but yeah, I think starting with a hypothesis and then figuring out a way to test it and, and the step in between is assessing, you know, what's the potential impact here uh, and how difficult is it going to be to, to do it? So, yeah, I think that's that's where I go. Since we're already in this flow of the conversation, my next question would be, are there any other go-to frameworks that you use either by yourself or when you're collaborating internally with other team members in order to grow your marketing strategy, figure out what's the best way to do something and when? For sure. There's, there's a bunch of different ones. But uh, one is actually, you had Dan McGaw on here a few weeks ago, I think, uh, and he has one. Uh, the Vice framework for landing page testing, and that's one that I that I use. So it's um, the velocity at which you can uh, actually find out the result of your A/B test. I if you have super low traffic and you want to test something really big, the chances are it's going to take you like twelve months to get an answer, which is probably not a great use of uh, A/B testing time, right? Um, the I is uh, impact. So like, how much impact is this thing going to have? 
Is it a little bit of copy at the top that you think will do pretty well? Or do you want to put like a cool mobile hero image that's going to like change the way people see your brand and see everything? And then you've got the C, which is probably my favorite part of it, which is the confidence. And I think there's two ways to look at this, for example. One way is saying that I have data-informed confidence. Let's call that your quantitative confidence. And then the other way I like to look at it is what's your qualitative confidence? Because it, as a marketer, you also do have experience. And data is meant to inform, but it's not meant to make the decision for you, right? So I like to say to someone, try and balance your, your, your kind of quantitative and your qualitative. Don't just say, I have confidence in this because of an eight, because I read some data or I read a study that said this will do really well. It's also what your quality, what your gut tell you, what's your experience of your customers, of your buyer personas. What does that also tell you and how much confidence does that give you? Uh, and then finally, it's ease. I mean, is this like super difficult to pull off a little bit like the example I gave before? Is this is this a mountain to climb building a mobile experience like I mentioned? Or is it changing ad copy? Is it a one out of 10 on ease? Because, hey, we can do this thing super easy, right? Um, so I like that framework too. What are some resources you use? They can be publications, YouTube channels, podcasts, et cetera, to stay up to date on marketing tactics, trends, et cetera? So I spend a lot of time on Spotify. Um, I do, you know, I'm, I, uh, I have like a series of stretches I do every single morning. Uh, I'm in the gym most days or I'm running outside or running on the treadmill. Um, and then also, you know, my girlfriend's away quite a lot. So I have the apartment to myself quite a lot, kind of walking around cooking. Um, so all of the time that I, I spend a lot of time listening to, to podcasts. Um, so my favorite one is, it's not a marketing podcast, but it's a podcast that pushes me to think about things in different ways. Uh, and that's the Knowledge Pod Project by Shane Parrish. Uh, I'm sure people have said that one before, but uh, that one's super good. Um, then there's the Digital Marketing Podcast. That's by Target Internet. Uh, they're pretty good because their Target Internet are, they teach marketers how to do marketing better, right? And so I, I, I think they're they're quite good. Um, then Drift have a few different podcasts uh, that, that, that I listen to. I really like Mark Killens and the way he approaches content and community and the mix of both and and really trying to to understand what your audience want. Uh, so yeah, I listen to, to those. And then YouTube, I, I search, man. I mean, trying to find someone, like if I want to know more about GA4 and whether it's the right time to switch over to GA4, I'm searching for it in YouTube. I'm putting it on 1.5 speed and I'm flying through two or three videos to get a sense of, is this the right move right now? So yeah, I think earlier on, I used to uh, read a lot of articles and I've massively transitioned into to podcasts and, and video content. I'm glad you mentioned Google Analytics 4. This is a good aside. What are some of your favorite MarTech tools? <laughs> well, obviously, uh, I have to I have to start with funnel, right? We I think it's pretty cool, and I, I jump on sales calls from time to time, and I jumped on one today, and uh, the person we we're speaking to just was like, "It's so cool that you internally use funnel, right?" So I was assessing a a, a, a mini campaign we we did the other day, and I pulled data from uh, from funnel, I sent it into Google Sheets. And then I, I did a little bit of analysis just to grab some some quick uh, some quick ad hoc analysis, right? So we use funnel internally. Uh, we also use Looker from kind of like a, a data visualization point of view as well internally. I would say it's a little bit more complicated and it's it's like a little bit more difficult. Um, especially I, I I can definitely lean on our data team or our BI team to to help with that as well. Um, we're obviously um, HubSpot users, uh, and then. 
also for A-B testing, um, we've kind of tested around a little bit optimizely. And this is another segue. If you were to start hiring to expand your growth team, what are some characteristics you'd like to see in potential candidates? I personally, maybe it's because I'm a generalist, but I like people that are open to to jumping onto different projects that are important to the business. Uh, It's obviously great to specialize and you always need specialists. um, But I I like that, you know, scaling businesses need different things at different times, right? My title is community growth manager, but that doesn't mean that I'm always doing things that are community-based. Sometimes it's content, sometimes it's A-B testing, sometimes it's CRO, um, sometimes it's paid strategy. I mean, there's tons of different things because the way I see it is what does a business need at that time uh, and, and what are your qualities uh, and being able to be flexible with that. I think that that's a massive one for me um, because it, cha- I mean, at a place like funnel that's growing this fast, things change all the time. We have to, we have to be agile. We have to be willing to, to jump on different projects that are the most important thing to the business. So, so that's, I think the number one quality I think is important. My next question is in two parts. What, worries you about marketing in general this year and what also excites you about marketing in general this year that is a good question i think i might have to say the same thing for both and that would be what i'm going to call the virtual world because i don't want to get into any debates about what we what we're going to call this thing uh, that is uh, seems seems to be on the horizon um but i think the thing that worries me about it is i think that a lot of big companies are jumping headfirst into these kind of virtual world experiences at least or at least you know putting some eggs in that basket and i'm just not sure that their customers are are ready for that yet i'm not sure that a lot of customers are ready for big brands don't want to name any don't want to get in trouble but like big brands who are coming out with with uh you know virtual experiences virtual connections whatever it might be and i'm just not sure that their customers want that yet i think that there's still so much in the in the in the world right now from a marketing point of view that that is still going to capture people's attention uh i think people still love good content b2b and b2c um, I think they really, they like being entertained. That's what we try and do with some of our content. We try and entertain people. Like when I'm on camera, it's not always perfect. We do have a laugh. You know, there is behind the scenes. It's not all about kind of, uh, yeah, you know, full utility. Sometimes you have to take a punt and entertain people. So I think that worries me. On the other hand, from a marketing point of view, it is also exciting to think of the potential possibilities that you can entertain if you open up a whole new sphere that we haven't had before. Um, so I think I think it's exciting. I just, I don't know how quickly the technology will move. I think you can already see that things are rapidly moving forward, uh, how rapidly they will go and whether they will open up opportunities for companies to engage in marketing in a slightly different way, in a call it more meaningful, call it more interactive, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I think that, that <laughs> again, to stay away, but like virtual opportunities, uh, I think it's, it's both worrying and, and both exciting. My last question is hypothetical. If mm. you had a time machine and you can go back in time at any point in your career, which point would you go to and what advice would you give your past self so that you can make your career better? 
<laughs> this is a slightly difficult one because before I had a career as a marketer, I was a professional footballer and I had a tough time with injuries and and, and it, it was a hard world to, to really succeed in. Um, and I think what I now know about the world and about the game is that I would kind of go back and tell myself to map out really the things that I'm good at and the things that I'm not and to try and work on like a more cohesive plan to show myself how to get better. I think now in the in the working world, not in the kind of like the football world, it's it's very it's much more concrete for me to to map things down, to create to create uh, you know mental models, to create diagrams, to create frameworks and and try and grade yourself, to rate yourself, to to understand what your pitfalls are, what your weaknesses, what your strengths are. And I think, you know, going back then, you kind of looked at it in a very uh abstract or or qualitative way people kind of said things you took very anecdotal in a way actually people would tell you things and you'd say you'd take it and you'd weight it maybe overweight it or underweight it somebody might give you a piece of advice and you think oh, who cares about that like i don't need that but at the same time someone says oh here's a piece of advice and you overweight it and you overthink it over and over again but if you if you were able to put if i was able to go back and tell myself you know to put things into to frameworks and to understand them better. So I knew what my progression path was. Uh, I think that would have been cool. Maybe I got a few more years out of the game and uh, and stayed healthy, et cetera. So, so yeah, that, that would be cool. Amazing. And Alex, if anyone wanted to say hello to you online, where could they find you? Yes, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm relatively active uh, and also our funnel account. There's lots of my videos. If you're interested in, in, in going to find our kind of funnel tip series on LinkedIn, uh, it's there. It's also on YouTube. And I mean, stay tuned to whether or not uh, there'll be a funnel marketing podcast at some point. Uh, you know, it's, it's a medium that I massively value. I know you do as well, Kenny. Uh, and I think ultimately marketers really value this channel as well. So if there's great content that we can bring to them, then uh, yeah, I guess stay tuned because the, there might be a place to find us there too. Certainly. And as an aside, I really do believe that if a B2B marketing team specifically isn't comfortable with video, then the next best place is audio. And that's why podcasts are so amazing. If you can sustain it and have consistent episodes. Again, thank you, Alex, for your time today. I really appreciate it and all of the wisdom that you provided to the audience today. And thank you to you, the listeners, for listening to another episode of The People of Digital Marketing. And as always, I hope you have a great week. Bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to submit a rating and leave a review on your podcasting app. Reviews like this help to grow this podcast and get it to more people like yourself, people who want to grow in their marketing careers. If you want to say hello, you can find me on any social media platform by simply searching Kenny Soto. I look forward to hearing from you soon. And as always, let's keep growing together.